before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast featuring my very special guest Tom Backrack of PFH Capital. In this conversation we discuss two subjects close not only to my heart but also to those of Tom's investors, debt and energy. Both are incredibly important places for investors to focus and Tom makes an excellent guide for us down both paths. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast including the end game, the super terrific happy hour, the narrative game, this week in doom, Shifts Happen and the new series Chaos Theory are available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now, on with the show. Tom, welcome to the show. Great to have you with me. It's, it's honored to be here. Uh, thanks, Greg. Uh, now, you, I've read a couple of your letters recently and um, was fascinated to talk to you. You are a value investor, and I'm always interested to talk to value investors because that's kind of how I classify myself. And I find it just an interesting lens to look at the world through, particularly in an era where it's very easy to say, hey, everything's going up, so buy it, and that's fine. But you know, I'm always interested in, okay, that's all well and good, but what could go wrong? What do I need to be worried about? What do I need to pay attention to? So before we get into the world today through a value investor's eyes, just give people a little bit of your background, if you wouldn't mind, and, and talk a little about um, what you do at PFH Capital. Yeah, so um, yeah, I manage an investment partnership called PFH Capital. We launched a few years ago, uh, minuscule asset size uh, today, you know, lofty ambitions to grow from kind of minuscule to tiny to small over the long haul. You know, if we make a decision with our capital, at least. Yeah, I actually, so my background is is not orthodox, you know, in the investing world. Yeah, I came about investing by accident. I was raised by, you know, wonderful parents, but it was a liberal household. And the implicit menu of kind of career options was, uh, there were things like public servant, academic, doctor, lawyer. The idea of entrepreneurial profit seeking. I mean, honestly, just never crossed, crossed my mind. But I love traveling. I love to adventure. And uh, so after college, I really didn't care what I was doing so long as I was doing it somewhere interesting. And in part because I'd studied Arabic in college, uh, that ended up being in Egypt. And so I spent half a decade there, uh, more or less up to the 2011 revolution. I was working for what was then the largest publicly traded business on that market. And so, and so before I became like an investor by accident, you know, I actually became an accountant by accident because you know, my undergraduate major was economics. And uh, you know, that must have been lost in translation during the interview with the CEO because he ended up just making me an accountant. So, so I needed to buy a couple of textbooks um, immediately upon taking that job. But I'm incredibly grateful he did it because you know, unlike economics, accounting is it's actually an incredibly useful tool. And, and the, the knowledge I kind of picked up from doing that it's really the foundation for everything I do today as an investor. So I started investing my own money when I moved back to the U.S. The initial impetus it was a, you know, it was kind of feeling that between my accounting knowledge, my experience inside a, a public company, kind of watching the sausage get made, the general need to feed my first kid who was on the way, 
you know, trauma handed to public markets, you know, made sense. In fairness, I also desperately wanted to avoid working in any kind of a traditional corporate office setting. And pre-COVID, you know, that used to, you know, like roll out a lot of career options. And to my great surprise, I, yeah, I really fell in love with investing. It, it wasn't what what I believed it to be. It turned out it was at least the way I do it. It was a lot of thinking, reading, pondering. <laughs> Probably just not not doing any kind of traditional work. <laughs> you feel lazy sometimes. You're certainly not staring at a Bloomberg terminal all day. And but I loved it. Uh, it was philosophical, and and I kind of went through a uh, I went through the traditional mistake filled learning curves with doing stupid stuff here and stupid stuff there and learning from them. And, uh, you know, I did that for a while, part-time until, you know, a few years ago, I felt ready uh, to take out outside funds and go full-time. So and that kind of brings me brings me to today, more or less. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting to me because, um, you know, this journey, I'm always fascinated by people who, who come at this world from an accounting background because ultimately this whole thing is about numbers and making sense of numbers. And yet kind of the further down this road we've gone, the less the numbers seem to matter. You know, it's become, um, as my great friend Ben Hunt always talks about, it's become about the narratives. Can you sell a story? And there are some phenomenal stories that are layered on top of some phenomenal numbers, but there are an awful lot of uh, phenomenal stories that are layered on top of absolutely terrible numbers. And it's just a matter of time until the kind of financial gravity reveals the truth. But it's been, you know, 15 years now, really, where this reliance on cold, hard numbers that always used to be the backbone, the foundation of this business has really not mattered for so many people for such a long time. So how do you square that circle mentally when you're coming to this game from that background? How have you managed to push away the fact that the numbers that are so important to you and your background don't seem to matter right now? Well, you know, on one hand, it's, you know, I I think, you know, knowing accounting isn't going to make you a good investor, of course. And actually, probably there's a lot of good accountants who maybe um, wouldn't necessarily, you know, become interested in investing because investing at its heart is really an art. It, you know, it's not, you know, whereas you know, accounting, there's a lot of just quantifying and counting. I mean, it's counting, right? So, um, but I think accounting is still critically important because it's the language. It's really like the language of business. You know, I can. Sometimes I can learn more about a business just playing around with their numbers in Excel. Right. And you know, when I first started, I, I would start looking at valuations and look for things that were cheap. And then, and then when I evolved, I began to kind of come back to that. I, I would look for the really qualitative aspects of a business. Nowadays, I actually do spend a lot of time looking at the numbers up front because not because I'm trying to come up with some precise fair value multiple, this or that. That that's all art, but because in the numbers and understanding the numbers and how things interconnect. I mean, that's that's how you understand a business. I mean, it's really the the language of the business itself flows out of the numbers. I, I think the storytelling, the narratives, they're going to work during, you know, especially obviously we were near the end here of an incredible bull market, you know, falling rates and all the things that you've talked about with a million guests. And the narratives to someone who doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about the numbers, who doesn't have a background in accounting, probably honestly make a lot of sense. There's logical. But you know, you go into the numbers and you look at it from an accounting perspective and you see the lies uh, kind of underneath them. And it, it gets you to a point where I'm, I'm very, very comfortable just sidestepping that all. Um, I, I honestly don't... And I don't know, this might be detrimental to my career long term. I mean, we'll see. I've tried to 
very meticulously only bring in investors who my ideal investor doesn't look at their account statement um, almost ever. You know, it's people who are very long-term oriented and understand what I'm doing. And, you know, and frankly, like these narratives that they're not hearing most of these narratives are focused on running their business or being a good doctor, doing what their purpose is in life. They're not hearing the narratives and they just understand that there's a certain philosophy I operate with and they like it. And, uh, it, you know, it affords me the freedom to really just ignore it. I really don't care. You know, I, I don't know, you know, if you ask me what the market did today or this month, I, I don't directly know the answer. I indirectly know it often because, you know, if I'm on Twitter or if I'm somewhere, you know, there's plenty yeah, of people yeah. screaming in my ear. But I'm, I mostly ignore it. And, um, you know, my, my core job is finding good businesses, businesses that aren't fragile, businesses that kind of have vitality and can endure and there's only so many of those businesses out there. You know, I think at a heart, being a value investor, it's it's not about just like, oh, I'm, I'm cheap. Oh, I just want to be a cheap guy. It's, it's about having this constant feeling that realization that you, you don't know everything. There's so many things you don't know. Yeah. There's so many things that can go wrong. So when I look for, so I look for margin of safety in these things, because I, I just, I, I don't think that I'm going to nail a bunch of predictions about the future. And that's where it gets tough because you've already winnowed down the, the number of quality, durable businesses that that really have the attributes that you want. You've already boiled them down to a pretty small universe. And now you got to find the cheap ones and tend to kind of go into strange, weird, quirky parts of the market. And and frankly, that's also why, you know, we remain very small asset size wise because, you know, our biggest weapon sometimes is being able to go in illiquid situations. So... Well, we'll come into some of those places in a minute. But uh, it's interesting, you know, you, you talked about how much of this business and the art of investing is finding time to think and sit and read and, and kind of understand things. And, and, you know, I agree with that so strongly. And yet it's something that very few people talk about these days. When you sit and talk to people about how they spend their time, very few people say, you know, I try and spend as much time as I can thinking. You know, I've got some great friends and um, very successful investors, and that's all they do. They literally, they spend their whole time thinking. They may actually do things once a month, a couple of times a quarter maybe, but the rest of the time they're, they're reading and they're thinking and they don't hurry that. So how do, you, how do you push away this kind of urgency that you're surrounded by and afford yourself the time to spend thinking and not getting caught up in that kind of fake urgency that everybody else seems wrapped up in these days. I think um, it was Munger or someone said like like the, one of the pillars of their investment style was was laziness and, and yeah. I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's part of it. I, I mean, I I, I just I, I'm not intellectually interested in you know hunting through a thousand stocks looking for the right special situation that I'm gonna have to monitor and measure and jump in and out of. Value investing was always a good fit for me because I, I don't really need to make more than a couple big decisions a year. And so that that affords me a lot of time to to think. And I and I I know that I, I don't feel like I I've made big mistakes when I've moved slowly. When I moved quickly, I've definitely made some mistakes in all walks of life. And again, it's it's you gotta be really long-term thinking. But, you know, you know, at its heart, you know, I mean, it, I, I love investing. And, and I think like where you, you get really interested in something like investing, it's, you know, it's, it's the game of investing. You know, I, I just love it. I absolutely just find it endlessly fascinating. But it's only interesting to me on a long-term basis. That's where 
skill or lack thereof, and we'll see which side I fall on in my career come into play. You know, short term's a lot of luck. And, and I think that, you know, if you look, again, going back to Munger, the guy's, what, 200 years old at this point, he's still investing on The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.